Learning to live and then living to learn. From Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 47, what we're going to take a look at this morning. And it says in that context there that 3,000 were added. We're going to talk about that a little bit. They're going to begin a new life. They're part of a new group and they are gathered around Jesus. So there are... Should move. Three points I want us to give consideration to this morning. Jesus, devoted... And disciples. And I think you'll see why I mentioned that in just a moment. Let me start off by telling you about an article that I came across uh, this week, kind of grabbed my attention as I was looking through the headlines. And it said that now in America, 50%, a little less than 50%, now say that they do not identify with a local religious group. Less than 50%. Sounds kind of disappointing, doesn't it? But stay with me a minute. Less than 50% identify with a local congregation, but four out of five say they believe in God. And then, beyond that, nine out of ten believe in a higher power. Less than 50% are associated with the local group. Four out of five believe in God, 90%, so that'd be 80%. 90% say they believe in a higher power. <laughs> I read that article, I kind of had to chuckle to myself a little bit. <laughs> I thought, wow, <laughs> there's got to be some kind of a disconnect there. <laughs> you believe in God, but you don't associate with the local group? You believe there's a higher power, but you have no clue to what his name is? <laughs> but you believe in some kind of higher power. I thought, boy, there's a disconnection there someplace. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? We've been studying the book of Acts. Luke's the one who wrote Luke and then the book of Acts. And I thought, I bet Luke would like to have a chance to talk with those folks. <laughs> and there's three words that I think he'd center that conversation around. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about being devoted. And let me tell you about being a disciple. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. So I'm going to start in Acts, the second chapter at verse 41. Acts chapter 2 at verse 41. It says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. As you take a look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, that's kind of a culminating statement, and we'll back up and kind of show how Peter comes to, or how Luke comes to that statement in verse 41 based upon the message that Peter has delivered in that particular context. But before we do that, I, I just want to I want to say this so that we kind of get a grasp of what, what's stated there, what's going on there. Those who received his word, whose word? Well, it's the Apostle Peter, if you back up the context. And who was it that received that word? Well, these were Jewish folks that were gathered together. So I want to make this perfectly clear. This is a Jewish speaker. There's no doubt about that. And he's speaking to a Jew Jewish audience. No doubt about that. 
This is a Jewish feast day. No doubt about that. And he's talking to them about their Jewish Messiah. (laughs) He's talking to them about Jesus. Now if you back up to Acts chapter 1, Jesus had met with the apostles. And he told them at that particular time that he wanted them to go and wait in the city. And that in a few days they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John had baptized with water, but they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to add this also because I want a little clarification on verse 41. In verse 15 it talks about how Jesus was there and the apostles were there. And then following that it talks about the apostles being with this group of 120. Now when you get to verse 41 and it says they were added, some people ask this question, were they added to the apostles? This 3,000? Were they added to the 120? This 3,000? What were they added to? Who were they added to? Were they added to someone or were they added to something? Well, just for clarification, for just a moment, Accommodate me and think along these lines. They were added to something. But what was the something that they were added to? Well, back up to verse 40. It says, And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day they were, there were added about 3,000 souls. What were they added to? They were added to the saved. They received his word. They were baptized. They were added. Move down to verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, can we see that? So out of this Jewish crowd, listening to this Jewish speaker, talking about the Jewish Messiah, there were some in that crowd that received His Word, they were baptized, and they were added to the saved. What's the conclusion? Out of this entire crowd, we now have some that are saved and we have some that are not saved. And they've been added to the saved. Can we see that? I think we can. They received His Word and they became a part of that saved group. But I want to ask you, why? Well, they listened to what Peter had to say about Jesus. About this Messiah. So as you take a look at what Luke records for us in early parts of the book of Acts, here Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 2, it sounds simple, but it's really profound. (laughs) And you have to stop and think, this is the first Christian sermon it's being delivered 
This is about 32 or 33 A.D. This is a Sunday. This is 9 o'clock in the morning. And this is the Apostle Peter preaching. And he delivers this message about Jesus. And there are those that are gathered together and out of this crowd, there are at least 3,000 we know that receive, they accept what he's teaching. They're baptized. God adds them to the saved. So let me ask you a question. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why have we gathered together this morning? Why are we doing these things that we're doing this morning? Let me read to you from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is Luke writing to Theophilus, and he makes reference to his first account, which is the gospel according to Luke. And he said in the first account that I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive. To these also. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs Appearing to them over a period, one day, a couple hours, <laughs> nope, 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God, oh, wouldn't you have loved to have been there for one of those Bible studies? You know, oftentimes we think about Jesus appearing. We think about that first Sunday morning. (laughs) And Peter and John go to the tomb and they're trying to figure out what this means. But Luke says, no, we're not talking about that right there. We're talking about a period of 40 days. And we have other scriptures accounts of Jesus making appearances contained in the Gospels and in the New Testament. So it wasn't like once in a while Jesus would pop out from behind a tree and go, Hey, it's me. (laughs) No, this is a period of 40 days. He spent time with them. He talked with them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul makes reference to this. And he says on one occasion, there were 500 people there. Some that are still alive today. Go check it out. So sometimes we read Acts 1. And we say, well, Jesus told them to go wait in the city. And then they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then you will be my witnesses. That's true. You'll be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utmost parts of the world. But sometimes we just think Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5 was immediately followed, like within just a few minutes. And then we had Acts 2. 
No, Jesus has been with them for 40 days. Do you think by now these apostles have become thoroughly convinced that he is alive from the dead? I think by this time, they're saying, let go of my robe because I'm going to go tell him. <laughs> He's alive. He's alive. And Jesus said, pump the brakes. <laughs> you don't start anything. Go wait in the city. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then it begins. And so for the next 10 days, they wait. <laughs> and they point another apostle to take Judas's place. And then Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were gathered together. And then there was the sound of this mighty rushing wind. And then there were the tongues of fire. And then they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Peter takes his stand. And then Luke records what Peter spoke. And then verse 41. They received what he was saying and they were added. So let me tell you this. They were gathered from that point on around a person. That person was Jesus Christ. They didn't gather because they had some sort of common philosophy about life. Oh, they'll come to have a common philosophy. <laughs> they didn't gather because at that time they just had a common religion. Oh, that'll come. That'll be revealed. But it needs to be understood. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. And that's what Peter preached that day. And they gathered because of Him. And the reason why we're here today is because of Him. Jesus, the one who came, the one who walked among men, the one who proved Himself to be the Son of God beyond doubt, the one whom they took and crucified. The one God raised from the dead. And appeared to them for a period of over 40 days. And proves death no longer has the final say in this world. Jesus has the final say. Acts 2, beginning at verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you all, yourselves also know. This man, Delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, 
you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. What did Peter just say? This Jesus, this Nazarene, he was attested to you. Signs, wonders, and miracles. God was showing who he was. And you, you, by lawless hands, now let me clarify that. It wasn't the Jews personally that took him and led him off to Golgotha and nailed him to that cross. Oh no. They got the Romans to do that. But the Romans did it because they convinced them to do it. And Peter says, you did it. (laughs) It may have been by proxy, but it was because of you. So Peter is charging them. Now, you know, I started today and I said, you know, there's that less than 50%. They don't attend a local congregation and four out of five believe in God, but... (laughs) like somehow they don't associate and then you've got 9 out of 10 that believe in a higher power but they don't know what his name is and I said there was a disconnect do you know what this crowd had been waiting for for some 1500 years they've been waiting for the Messiah And he showed up. Proved himself to be the Son of God. And what did they decide to do? Let's kill him. So I've got to ask you a question. Do you think maybe there was a disconnect someplace? (laughs) Somehow you didn't connect what the Scriptures had been saying what God had been pointing to, what the prophets had pointed to, and you missed it. And you crucified it. Verse 29. Brethren, may I confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet, And knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. We've been studying the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. We just went through 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter. And what did God promise David? I will take one of your descendants and I will set him on that throne. What's Peter preaching? He's preaching the fulfillment of 2 Samuel 7. So as you read down through this, God raised him up. Verse 33, he's exalted to God's right hand. Verse 36, he is now Lord and Christ. Verse 37 through 41, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
They were convicted of what they had done. And they asked, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Verse 41. And those who received His word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 were added. Added to what? Verse 47. To the saved. Out of all these Jews that were assembled, Peter convinced them You crucified your own Messiah. 3,000 of them at least received it, accepted His Word. And they repented, were baptized, and they were added to the Savior. So we could ask the question, how did they become part? Verse 41 answers it, right? They received his word, baptized, added. We ask the question also, why? Why did they become a part of this group? Because they accepted Jesus was the Messiah. He was their Savior. You know what's going to happen next? We'll get to it in just a minute. We'll get to verse 42. (laughs) But the point I want to make is, it's all about Jesus. From the beginning of the Scriptures to the last page of the Scriptures, it's all about Jesus. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. It is all about Jesus. The reason why... From now on, they will gather. It's because of Jesus. The reason why we're here today and we gather is because of Jesus. Make no mistake. He is the Messiah. The Christ. Greek. Messiah. Hebrew. God's anointed. God's chosen. God's appointed to die. Risen, Savior, Lord, King. From now on, your life will focus and be centered on Him. That's what Peter was teaching. Let me give you this illustration from the Old Testament. You can take a look this up in Numbers, the second chapter. God had brought the children of Israel out of bondage. Saved them. Brought them to Sinai. Entered into a covenant with them. Said that He would dwell among them. Gave Moses instructions for the tabernacle. And He dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And that was set up in the middle of that camp. All around were the twelve tribes. Numbers, the second chapter, giving instructions where each one would be camped. But in the middle of that was God. He was the heart. He was the center. He was the focus. 
from now on, He is the center of their life. So what's Peter doing in Acts the second chapter? He's showing them where their focus is going to be. Where their heart's going to be. What their world and what their life is going to revolve around from now on. Everything revolves around a person. And that person is Jesus. Galatians, the third chapter, is made reference to in class this morning. Galatians 3 and verse 27. The Apostle Paul said, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You know what that means? (laughs) That through that, you enter into a relationship with Him. That's, That's what that means. You've been baptized into Christ. You've been baptized into a relationship with Him. Now, for those who know the law, Paul says over in Romans 7, you became dead through the body of Christ to the law so that you could be joined to another. Can we see that? You're no longer joined to that You're now joined to Him. And through the body of Christ, you became dead to that law. You're no longer bound to it. So that you could be joined to Jesus Christ. This is your world, this is your focus. This person, the Messiah. So, what did they do? Now, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Some translations say they were steadfastly continuing. The New American Standard says that they were continually devoting. I like that word there because of the definition. See, sometimes what happens is there will be words that will be yanked out of Scripture and then they'll kind of be put in a modern setting and and it just kind of changes the whole meaning. (laughs) Devotion is one of those words. Devoted is one of those words. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I've been doing my daily devotions. Ever heard that? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do your daily devotions. I'm just saying sometimes that becomes kind of casual. Well, I read a passage or two this morning. Or this kind of little inspirational book that I enjoy. And I read a little bit from it this morning. And so I did my morning devotions. If you do something like that, don't stop. (laughs) I'm not telling you to stop. But what I am telling you is this. Now when it says they continually devoted, it's a whole lot more serious than that. It's a commitment. It's a dedication. 
You know, it's interesting. If you back up to Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, and Edwin, thank you, you referenced this this morning. Do you know who was, who, who, is that right? Who was in Jerusalem on this occasion? It names these people from all these different countries and then it gives this kind of qualifier. It says devout Jews. Why did they travel so far? (laughs) They were devout. They put forth an effort. There was a commitment to do that. And now, Luke records, they were continually devoted, this new group, these Jesus followers. This Jesus community. So this is no casual decision. There's a line of demarcation that is being drawn here. Make no doubt. They're now following Jesus. This is life changing. You know, the apostles had been asked to commit to Jesus. To make a decision that would change their life. Peter, the one who's delivering this message, he had been asked. Remember that? Even after Jesus was raised, Peter went back to fishing until that morning when Jesus appeared to them on the shore. Remember that conversation that he had with with Peter? And then he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yeah. Then this is what I want you to do. You know... If Peter wasn't making some kind of life-changing commitment, he could have just stayed right there, couldn't he? He was a Jew before. He was a devout one. He was a fisherman. He lived right there in Galilee. Jesus was asking him to make a life-changing decision, commitment, to him. It's going to change his world. Your focus is now on me, Peter. So they were devoted to Jesus. And that's what Peter was asking these people on this day. And Luke records in verse 42 they were continually devoting themselves. Now, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by their habits and their routines. There's sort of a rhythm to their life. If you think about yours, I think you'd agree. I think most of you know for 33 years I was devoted (laughs) to General Motors. And there were certain habits and there were certain rhythms. There was a certain routine 
So about every morning, a little after five, you could see me leave the house because we started at six. And in the afternoon, around three or so, because we got off at 2.30, you'd see me coming home. And that's Monday through Friday. And on Sunday, we'd be off to church. And so there's habits, routines, and sort of a rhythm to life, isn't there? Well, they had habits, they had routines, they had a rhythm to their life. But it's going to change now. There's going to be new habits. There's going to be new routines. There's going to be a new rhythm to their life. And you know, whenever a person, in this instance, Peter, is faithful to the testimony of Jesus Christ and delivers that message faithfully to people, things happen. (laughs) It clicked for 3,000 people this day and it changed their life. And when you meet someone and you teach them about Jesus Christ and it finally clicks with them, it will change their life. They will have new habits. They will have new routines. There will be a new rhythm to their life. Because it's all centered around, revolves around, focused on Jesus Christ. What Peter delivered that day was Jesus the Messiah. You want to know what's wrong with the world? It's sin. You want to know what the answer to it is? Jesus. You want to know what's wrong with the world? It's sin. You want to know what God's doing about it? It's Jesus. <laughs> Same message today as it was that day. You want your life to be better? It's Jesus. See, we can come to that same moment also, just like they did. And it changes your habits. It changes your routines. It changes the rhythm of your life. And they were devoted to Him. And because they were devoted, they would find those new habits. They would find those new routines. They would find that new rhythm. Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I gotta ask you a question. Do you ever just sometimes like read something like that and just kind of sit and ponder, think about that for just a moment? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Sometimes when I read that, I kind of have to smile to myself. This is a group of Jews, devout Jews. They've gathered here on Pentecost. Peter preaches to them about Jesus and now it says they're devoting themselves this is the part where I smile. (laughs) They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. What? (laughs) 
you need to go get one of the high priests. <laughs> You're going to devote yourself to something. You've got to go talk to the religious leadership around here. You're going to go talk to some guy who's a fisherman from Galilee? Yeah. Uh, we got to talk to the Sanhedrin about this. <laughs> we got to get a court decision on this. No? I'm going to go talk to one of the guys that had that tongue of fire above his head. The spoken language he had never learned. One of those guys that had been with Jesus. I'm going to talk to them. And so they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they're devoting themselves to fellowship. Breaking bread. And prayers. Because there's a new influence in their life. It's Jesus. There's a new priority. It's Jesus. And that's influencing their habits, their routines, individually and now collectively. They're adopting a whole new perspective and what it means to be religious. A new commitment. Part of a new group. Listening to the apostles' teaching. Reconnecting with God through Jesus Christ. See what Acts 2 and verse 42 does? It kind of gives you those core values. So now that I'm committed to Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? I'm going to commit myself to the apostles' teaching. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to commit myself to fellowship, associating with others of like mind and like faith. And I'm going to break bread. Now let me make a point about that. Sometimes within Scripture, he'll talk about breaking bread, and that'll just be that kind of casual meal. A meal. I think that's what's referenced down in about verse 46. But I don't think that's what's being said here. That breaking of bread, that's the Lord's Supper. Jesus had instituted that. And you know what he said when he instituted that? He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. I'm going to devote myself to fellowship with those in the same group. And I'm going to devote myself to breaking the bread and remembering my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to uh, devote myself to prayer. (laughs) Just like Jesus did when He went out early in the morning to pray. Just like when the disciples came to Him and they asked Him, teach us to pray. And what am I going to do with that prayer? I'm going to offer up my thanksgivings. I'm going to offer up my petitions. I'm going to offer up my supplications on behalf of others. So I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
breaking bread, and pray. Luke just kind of gave us the core values. That's not unusual. Remember Exodus 20th chapter? Oftentimes we turn there and we read the Ten Commandments. Well, let me tell you, that's just kind of the core. You got to read the rest of the story. For those who like to count and count up things, there were sixteen or six hundred and thirteen laws that helped to understand how to carry out those ten. Kind of the core. So that's what Luke's doing. Hey, it's the apostles' teaching. This is what you got to learn. Hey, it's fellowship. This is who you associate with. Hey, it's breaking bread. It's remembering your Lord. Hey, it's prayer. So they're going to learn new habits, new routines. They'll become a new rhythm to their life. When you think down through the early part here of the book of Acts, it's Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. You go wait in the city till you receive and are baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's Acts 1 and verse 8. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost part of the world. It's Acts 2 and verse 41. Those who received his word, then they were added. And then in verse 42, then they devoted themselves. Apostles teaching. Fellowship. Breaking of bread. And prayers. This new community had distinguishing marks. It was different than what they had come out of. So they were going to have to let their minds be remade and renewed as they shared this new life and new relationships because of their gratefulness to Jesus. I'll close with this passage. Over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, this is some 30 years later. The Apostle Paul will write to the church at Ephesus, a church that's made up of Jew and Gentile. And in verses 20 through 24, essentially you take and break it down, look at it, and this is what he says. You learned Jesus... Taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And so being taught, you put off your former life. You were renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new man. So Paul says, you learned Christ. You put off your former ways. You were renewed in mind and you put on a new man. A new life, new habits, new routines. A new rhythm to your life. Why? Because you heard about Jesus. 
So now then, less than 50% are associated with a local group. You think there's a disconnect? I think there's a terrible disconnect. Four out of five say they believe. But what do you believe? If you really believed and understood, you'd be associated. (laughs) And then nine out of ten say they believe in a higher power, but they can't give it a name. You want to know what that name is? That name is Jesus. And that's what Paul will say in Philippians, the second chapter. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They were learning how to live. And then they would spend a lifetime of living and learning about how to live devoted to Jesus Christ. That's Acts 2. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in making your relationship with the Lord right this morning, whether you need to initially obey Him, Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Or if you need to come back and make your life right with Him, we want to help in any way we can. While together we stand and while we sing.